Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light cracks open more layoffs. UAW orders 8,700 members to walk off a forged truck assembly plant. Vivek take on English-only ballots goes viral. Supreme Court refuses to take on a case regarding the FDA's authority to ban flavored e-cigs. Elon Musk saved Amber Heard from being cut from the Aquaman sequel. Walgreens finally gets a new CEO. Washington Post announces more layoffs. Birkenstock IPO is off to a rough start. Some would say rougher than the styling of their shoes. And Family Dollar issues thousands of product recalls. All that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so if you could click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Walgreens finally getting a new CEO. Now, specifically, the company has appointed Tim Whitworth to become the new CEO as they try to focus on, quote, customer-centric healthcare. Now, the previous CEO helped drive the company well into the ground. Their stock now at a five-year low at about 69%. So about 70% of the company's value just vanished thanks to previous leadership. So thankfully, in terms of his previous experience, he has a much more proven track record than his predecessor. And he actually has a track record of being successful in the healthcare industries. He was previously one of the, I believe, the executives at Cigna, some of the largest healthcare outlets. So it'll be interesting to see a lot of these healthcare companies, and specifically you have your Walgreens, CVS, a lot of them were artificially boosted in terms of results when you have the whole pandemic and you had the subsidies from the government and taxpayers. And a lot of them were getting pretty penny for these mandated vaccines. So it will be interesting to see what's the next step of the business as they try to provide more services and provide more value to the clients. And perhaps they can finally figure out how to, you know, quickly fill scripts. I think that's half the battle for a lot of people when it comes to their frustration with these types of places. Let me know in the comments. It looks like the stock market is already appreciating the new CEO. The stock jumped up a little bit, about 5 to 8%, just on the news that they're getting a new CEO and that he'll be joining. So it'll be interesting to see, but here's the long-term outlook of Walgreens. They are historically one of the most successful companies in terms of kind of the books I've read about business throughout the years. One of my favorite ones is actually From Good to Great. And I believe I have that, yeah, by Jim Collins on my shelf. And it's one of those situations where they talk about, you know, some of these businesses that, you know, a lot of them will grow over time. And they have consistent growth trends. But some really buck the trend, pun moderately intended, where they'll actually perform exponentially better than the market and their competition. And Walgreens is one of those companies, I believe. So they've fallen far from what they used to be. And the real question is, can they make a comeback? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Washington Post to lay off 240 employees. Kind of. So thankfully, it sounds like it's more of a voluntary separation program, which is a very nice way of saying they're asking employees, you know, who will they allow to be bought out of their contract? And it's very similar to General Motors when they did this for their salary positions. I believe that was February in 2023, where GM is trying to cut every cost possible because they're they're attempting to compete with Tesla, a prudent business decision, I would say absolutely not. GM does make a great V8, but Tesla's a tech company, so it'll be interesting to see how they compete with them. But nevertheless, one of the things they need to cut is their vast 
bloated cost that is General Motors, especially with their labor, though the UAW will certainly put a, th a thorn in their side, so to say, or perhaps more accurately, blow out the tires. Whatever metaphor you prefer, the cost is a big issue. So GM, in February, because perhaps they saw this on the horizon with the contract with the UAW, they tried to cut the salaries of the corporate jobs. So they actually voluntarily asked people, hey, we know you have X amount of time remaining on your contract, can we buy you out? Once they did that, they eliminated the positions completely in most cases. And I believe there's about 5,000 employees they were able to do that with at GM corporate. And they're specifically for salary jobs and they help bring down the company cost and get rid of a lot of the bloat that kind of sometimes inevitably happens when you have the largest companies. It looks like the Washington Post is doing a very similar thing and this is not all too surprising. Let me know, I think pretty, I'm pretty sure they have 18 subscribers left. Maybe 19. And it'll be interesting to see if Daddy Bezos buys him, or I should say bails him out, because he bought him out a couple years back, and obviously he has seemingly unlimited funds. So it'll be interesting to see, maybe he steps in, or maybe he throws some money at the situation. But as of right now, it seems like the layoffs are kind of inevitable. And it's not all too surprising. You have companies, everyone from Google to Juniper Networks to even Mom Pop Shops doing layoffs these days. As you have 40-year hyperinflation, economic uncertainty, and then hilariously enough, the UAW is demanding they have the highest salaries ever. While most people are getting laid off. Reasonable? Surprisingly, the comments section, more often than not, says yes. Let me know if you think it's reasonable to ask for a raise in this economic turmoil. And do you think the Washington Post will be able to survive long term? I think it's one of those things where they certainly have a legacy. There's a lot of people who love the Washington Post. Politically speaking, they're much more left than being more moderate in the middle or right. But I think they have a kind of a cachet where there's some people who will just subscribe to them no matter what. They've been established, as cliche as that sounds. They've been around for quite some time. So I suspect they'll always be around in some capacity. But I also suspect throughout the years, they're going to have to decrease their overall footprint of the company as well as what they're doing in terms of their capabilities. Let me know what you think. I'd be fascinated to hear. Other interesting business news, you have Birkenstock IPO off to a disappointing start. It actually fell about 13% during the first day of trading. A performance as ugly as Birkenstocks themselves. Interestingly enough, have you ever seen a man wear Birkenstocks? I did do some research on the Google and there are some men who, through their own fault or they're not, they allowed pictures to be taken of them or pictures of them were taken where they had Birkenstocks on. Now, Personally, I prefer a New Balance 990 made in the USA. I believe I'm on my 17th or 18th pair. Those things are darn near bulletproof. And for work occasions, perhaps a pair of Cole Hans. They seem to be pretty good, but I can't fathom the last time I've seen anyone wear a Birkenstock in real life. And granted, they're seemingly only addressing 50% of the market. They could, I mean, that's a lot of business opportunity. You just double your market overnight, do a big advertising campaign around men and maybe they'll buy it or perhaps a product collaboration might make sense where with every case of Bud Light you get you also get a free case or a free pair of Birkenstocks. That might be a complimentary purchase or complimentary idea. Perhaps there's a lot of overlap in terms of demographics. Let me know in the comments. Do you think that'd be a good marketing idea? Now going back to the specific performance it looks like they wanted to IPO about $46 per share but it precipitously you know even that some people thought they should be in the 50s as crazy as that sounds but at the end, it went down about 12%, about $40.20 per share. So it'll be interesting to see in terms of Birkenstock and them acknowledging that, you know, it's not as great as they thought. 
They actually acknowledged its higher debt load and other, quote, material weaknesses in their IPO filing. It's also a phenomenon where, at least a couple of years ago, and I will actually do a little double check right now, for the longest time, they actually refused to be on Amazon due to the overwhelming myriad volume of knockoffs. So now I'm curious if they have Birkenstocks on here. Huh? It looks like this is their brand. It says brand Birkenstock. But I don't know if this is an official company store. This one says White Mountain. Another one just says Women's Sandals. And looks very, yeah, uh, Birkenstock. So again, I'm not seeing an official store on Amazon. It might be authentic. I've, But it's one of those things where they actually made a point to not be on Amazon in the past because there's so many knockoffs, which, again, that's going to shrink your audience of prospective clients exponentially. But it does kind of give you rest assurance or perhaps a incentive to go to a physical brick and mortar store. So it'll be interesting to see. Again, let me know. Do you think they should increase their marketing to try to increase the demographics of who purchases their products? Or do you think they should be content with their current niche that they currently have? And it's been a proven niche. I mean, the people who have bought Burger Talks have bought them for years. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. Let me know in the comments. What do you think will be best for the company? Now going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light cracks open even more firings thanks to, in regards to the Dylan Mulvaney business blunder of the century, as you have a marketing company lay off about 20% more of their employees. Now this specifically is in regard to an ad firm that was tied to Bud Light's Dylan Mulvaney fiasco. It looks like even some top executives were let go, which the fact that this didn't happen six to eight months ago is beyond me. This is... The best example of having a disconnect, or I guess a good example would be if you're into sports balls, swinging the bat and just missing the football completely. But it's one of those things where the marketing company clearly did not know or care the current demographics of who purchased Bud Light. Or maybe they did and they just had the hubris to think we're going to revolutionize the whole thing. Like Alyssa Hydrochild, the VP of marketing at Bud, oh, I should say, the former VP of marketing at Anheuser Bush and Bev. Now, it looks like a California marketing firm is linked to the business blunder of the century, and they hired many of the top executives as part of major restructuring. It looks like the San Mateo based, and this is thanks to the New York Post, their name is called, this marketing company is Captive 8, which I do appreciate a good, I don't know if it's not necessarily a pun, but a play on words. The It's actually spelled out C-A-P-T-I-V, and then 8 in terms of the numerical 8, and I suppose the idea is we want to captivate ideas or something to that regard. So I appreciate a good ponder wordplay. So they get a, their name, I should clarify, gets a B for marketing. Their execution in terms of what they do as a company, they get an F minus. Because again, this is the biggest business blunder, I would say ever. Even New Coke, which again, one of the fascinating things in terms of beverage business blunders, Coca-Cola was, you know, they're behind PepsiCo for years in terms of sales in North America. So they decided to come out with a new formula. They actually tested the formula, people loved it, and they came out with new Coke, and they had an iconic spokesman at the time, Bill Cosby, uh, among others. And there was such a huge pushback because people felt like the original Coke that they loved and fell in love with for decades was being taken away from them. There was such a huge backlash, Coca-Cola nearly immediately came back with the original formula. And that's why to this day, if you go to, if you actually look at the small fine print, it says Coca-Cola Classic. 
because for a while they had to delineate this as a specific formula that you actually want, not the new Coke. Now, in terms of this business blunder, yeah, and actually some people said, I subsequently, I do not think that Coca-Cola did that intentionally in terms of they knew it was going to fail and then bring it back and then be more popular because that did help actually them beat Pepsi long-term for at least you know short-term with the sales because people kind of like you want something you can't have when they bring it back. A lot of people want it even more perhaps. Interesting phenomenon. Now this is a case where, again, fiscal Q3 results will be released shortly because thankfully the public trade company has a lot of data we can get about them. But with fiscal Q2, Bud Light sales just... $400 million evaporated compared to the same fiscal Q2 last year. And every week, sales are about 30% down by dollar amount and between 26 and 27% on volume amount. And they continue to attempt to give it away. So needless to say, I'm surprised Captive 8 is still in business because again, would you hire this company? Now don't get me wrong, depending on the politics of your company, they may very well get a very lucrative contract at something like a Starbucks, which politically speaking is much more to the left on average. Now, it looks like specifically this marketing company got rid of 13 staffers back in July and after top executives returned from a lavish a lavish junket to French Riviera, they asked 30 employees, about 20% of the workforce in the latest round, and this according to multiple resources reporting to the Post. They claim that it's, it's not clear whether the Captivate's shakeup, which happened September 28, was a direct result of the Mulvaney fiasco, which led to, yeah, led to Bud Light losing their two-decade position of being the number one beer in North America. That's, again, this is a business blunder of the century. You're the top brand for two decades. You have more sales than anyone else. And thanks to one marketing promo, thanks to one moronic executive signing off, oh, actually, no, it's by multi-moronic executives signing off on this, it's gone. They'll never have that realm again, ever. It's going to be decades for the demographics of the United States to change in order for them. And if you look at the demographics of the United States, it would have to be on the same trajectory in terms of the growth of politically and orientation on the far left to actually make that decision a profitable decision. So again, conceivably, this could make them profitable long term. I'm talking 30 years. And that's, again, if everything is changing in the same correlation, the same rates that they have for the past couple of years, there are no certainty there's not much certainty in business usually now it looks like let's see bud light they claim that they blame the third party for you know sending the influencer known as delavane the can of bud light featuring the image of dylan uh this is a very respectable of the new york post to use dylan's preferred pronouns and it's fascinating to see again i don't know who's a mora uh what's the nice way to say a mora mentally vacuous person at anthony bush but to give the reins of your intellectual property to a third-party marketing company, that's concerning to say the least, considering it's beer. A majority of it is marketing, very similar to Pepsi and Coke. Yes, if you're blindfolded, some people can taste the difference of which high fructose corn syrup junk in a can actually tastes better, but a lot of it is marketing. It's the brand. That's the perhaps the most important thing when it comes to low-calorie, you know, light beer and they trusted this other company to do it, they had to have signed off on this at Bud Light. There's no way that they gave this marketing company complete, no oversight, just, yeah, do whatever you want. No way that happens. So, of course, they're attempting to blame the marketing company. Like, oh, yeah, it's all it's all their fault. No, I, I don't think so, especially when you have Alyssa Heyerschild, the former 
VP of marketing and on LinkedIn, she's very proud to be the first female and she, I guarantee you she will never be forgotten to her credit. But it's all those instances where in her video, she actually said, oh yeah, Bud Light's too fratty, so we're gonna change it. So yeah, Bud Light, your executives are saying this, kind of proving the point that, oh yeah, you, you knew what was going on. So it'll be interesting to see about 20% of them are gone. And then someone is saying, you know, we've all seen one of the workers that was let go was saying Captivate would spend a lot of money on parties. You know, lavish spending has been consistent with the company. Again, a lot of these companies, it's just the, the pure hubris of the situation. They just think they could do no wrong. They're just geniuses. They always know what's right. Ridiculous. And I, I certainly think they probably weren't expecting the competition to be around. I, But like, if they're hiring third-party marketing companies, they sure as hell better be picking the antithesis of Captivate. Some of the exact opposite of that. But granted, literally nothing could, it'd be hard pressed to do worse than what this company did in terms of performance. But it's one of those things where I can't help but think, yeah, Captivate just flew too close to the sun, so to say, thought they could do no wrong. There's other reports of them chartering private flights, which I actually don't really care about that. Depending on the monetary value of the people in the plane and your time value, private jets actually make sense from a fiscal perspective. That's why some businesses use them. A lot of people are saying, oh yeah, a lot of them were just wasting money left and right. So it'll be, no, wait, wait, database, one million influencers. It looks like the, the company boasts, and this is from the reports continuing the article, quote, the company boasts a database of more than 1 million influencers on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter and counts McDonald's, Disney, Toyota, Nordstrom, Macy's, and Ocean Spray as among its clients. Ooh. Well, I'm not too surprised they have Disney as a client since Disney and marketing, they seem to be, ooh, that, that'd be a great question. Who's worse at marketing a product? Disney or Bud Light? Both used to make products for the whole mass market. Well, Bud Light, you know, 21 plus, with the exception of this have, hiring someone who's average, you know, Dylan's average audience member is 15 years old which I believe is part of the controversy as well. But these companies used to, on average, make the products for the mass audiences. And they just decided we're gonna go for a niche audience, which depending on what product you're making may make sense. Like if you're the Daily Wire, very large fast growing conservative media company, makes sense. That's gonna be your core, that's your target market. That's how your views are gonna skew. That's where you're gonna promulgate in terms of your ideals, your marketing. That makes sense. Same with CNN. CNN's far left. They, they were gonna go for that audience. Fox News goes for 18 people are still on life support, presumably. But if you're someone like Toyota, fire this company yesterday. Because then Toyota is known for making the most bulletproof vehicles, bar none, basically. Vehicles for everyone. And yet one commercial could shoot yourself in the foot. And again, when it comes to reliability, you see these articles and they're fascinating to see the engineering they put into these vehicles. They last a quarter of a century or a million miles which also goes to the reason I prefer an internal combustion engine as opposed to an EV hybrid. Cause again, those will not last half as long. And personally, I prefer, I was gonna say a good ROI when I'm getting out of those products, which is why I still drive an ICE or internal combustion engine. And it's the best type of transmission. It's a manual transmission with three pedals. Like every vehicle should have by default. It's the most fun you'll ever have. I highly recommend getting into it. But nevertheless, getting back to these companies, you got Disney, Toyota, McDonald's, Nordstrom, Macy's, Ocean Spray, which I was gonna say this company, in terms of marketing, those commercials are pretty, 
They're pretty interesting in terms of ocean spray. You're convincing someone to buy a can of sugar water, which isn't usually the easiest thing. It's also cranberry juice is what they're really, what I know ocean spray ocean spray for. Again, I'm no doctor, but if you click the subscribe button, it may cure my stuttering. I'm not, but no, by no means a doctor, but if you haven't tried it yet, it could fix it. Perhaps, probably, maybe, never know. But nevertheless, let me know. Do you think McDonald's should just ax this company again yesterday? Same with Toyota, Nordstrom, Macy's. I mean, this company destroyed Bud Light. I, I can't get over the fact 30% of their sales week over week are just gone. And actually, it's even worse than gone. It's going to the competition, who, not only, fascinatingly enough, they're not gaining a direct proportion. They're gaining more. So not only are people buying less Bud Light, they're replacing it with others at a greater rate. You look at Yangling, which, in terms of supporting locally owned and family business, surprisingly, they're still family owned, and they're the oldest brewery in the United States. So that's something to think about. Personally, I appreciate when I purchase products for business events that I'm hosting. Yaling is going up between 18 and 22% week over week on average. Modelo is cores, all those are usually up above between you know 13 to 18% on average in terms of their sales per week. They're all killing it, so to say. All thanks to this one marketing company, all thanks to Captive 8, who certainly did not captivate any hearts or minds with that campaign. Quite the opposite. The antithesis, they actually alienated 30% of the audience. So great job, Captivate. Let me know. Do you think uh, these companies just fire them ASAP or will you uh, give them another shot? It'd be interesting to see, but love to hear what you have to say. Other interesting cultural news. You have Elon Musk apparently saved Amber Heard from being fired from Aquaman. And allegedly, some of the stars wanted to push her out. Now, this is according to the Daily Mail. And it looks like... Elon Musk actually sent a scorching earth letter threatening to burn the house down if she was not in the sequel. Now, apparently this is when Elon was dating her, which actually goes to show no one is perfect. Again, I don't know how crazy you have to be to actually voluntarily date Amber Heard, who subsequently has been found to be one of the most mentally and morally vacuous people in the world. And perhaps is accredited to one of the biggest signs of why many people do not believe all women which is a weird statement in and of itself, suggesting that all men are lying. But nevertheless, she was the one who famously abused Johnny Depp, physically as well as, I suppose, mentally. And cover your ears if you have children listening, she defecated in the bed, apparently. Which, again, you can buy... What is, this, what is the old saying? Money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy class. And she certainly is the ass of class, some might say. Now, it looks like she, she will apparently return as Mira in Aquaman in Lost Kingdom, set to release in December 20th, 2023, after previously claiming during her highly publicized court with Giant Death that she fought really hard to stay in the movie and they didn't want to include me and they were threatening to cut her scenes, which would actually make the movie watchable. It's one of those fascinating things where I feel like there's certain films and movies and TV shows where if you could just remove one character, it'd be a lot better. Like you imagine if you had suits without that. What is that? Is that was that Megan? Was Megan Markle in that? I think she was. And she is one of the definitions of insufferable. Was she? Yeah. So she played Rachel. So if you could have suits but remove her, and I don't know how much Photoshop energy this would take, or how much editing software it would take, or man hours. 
I can't help but think that box set of the suits film or I guess show would increase by at least maybe 18% in value. I'd be willing to pay 18% more if that could be a thing. But nevertheless, when it comes to Amber Heard, apparently, yeah, I was going to say Elon. So, he, you think he's perfect? No, he, he actually voluntarily dated her. And subsequently, she's been found to be crazy to say the least, even physically abusing people and then filing false accusations. And thankfully, Johnny Depp actually won that lawsuit. Now, it looks like... So Johnny De or, uh, Elon Musk sent the letter to Warner Brothers, and they allegedly backed down and kept Amber Heard on the film. It looks like Musk for first met Amber Heard in 2012 when she was an actress and shooting some film in L.A. And they dated for around 12 months, 2017, 2018... So it'll be interesting to see, I don't know, a lot of these, what used to be blockbuster films have just dropped precipitously in, I was going to say, general interest as people are trying to tighten their belts, financially speaking. A feat in and of itself in the United States, since the belts are quite large. But let me know in the comments, will you, will you not see the movie because she's in it? How many people might not tune in just because of her personality or her life outside of films? It's one of those fascinating things where there are certain careers where what your life outside of the actual engagement is for your daily job, there's a high correlation between appropriateness or a lot of people, there's more people who care about it. So it'll be interesting to see, would you boycott that film just because she's in it? Or would you see it because she is? It'll be interesting to see how that film does, but I can't help but think, I would, I would venture to say the outlook is not so good. It'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek's take on having English-only ballots going viral on the Twitter, or subsequently, as some people call X, but I I don't think anyone actually talks like that in the real world. Yeah, I know they changed the font, or they changed it so that instead of tweeting, you just post. But the URL still says twitter.com. And let me know, do you call it Twitter or X? I, I still call it. Twitter, but that's just me. Now, specifically, Vivek said, quote, I don't think it should be very controversial, but English should be the only language used on ballots and in voting booths. Seems like a quick and easy win that we should all be able to agree on, unquote. And he got 1.4 million views and 32,400 likes. But of course, it's also one of those fascinating things where anytime you say something like, oh yeah, this should be uncontroversial, everyone should agree on this, it just never happens. It's one of those things where, I don't know if people do it for spite or people just really don't want to agree for the sake of not agreeing. But a lot of things that used to be common sense are no longer so. So it looks like in terms of the top comments down here, someone by the name of They Call Me The Doc, this person says, quote, language was an actual barrier to voting. Doesn't sound like something our forefathers who spoke multiple languages would have wanted kind of a cultural thing bred into us over generations. Your grandkids might feel the same way. He got 52 likes. Let's see here. Mart, no, Matt, Sarazone said, quote, but a citizen has a right to vote. It isn't conditioned on language skills, unquote. He got 355 likes. So fascinatingly enough, it looks like, and again, we're just diving in right now, 
a little bit more negativity or a little bit more people can well going against the grain of his original comment when it comes to Vivek who I would say usually gets between 70 to 90 percent likes or responses that are positive to original statement when he's on the Twitter sphere. Someone by the name of AI based trader says quote coming from a non-native English speaker lol unquote first got 73 likes although I would also argue doesn't kind of prove their point like when my family first came here from Cuba they they mostly spoke Spanish but they all learned English and since my grandfather was also a professor he knew a couple languages but nevertheless someone did respond to this person Mr. AI based trader someone by the name of William Meng and he said quote even if he's a non-native English speaker, that would only further prove the point he's not demanding for Tamil to be used on the ballot, is he? I'm not a native language speaker either, but I recognize the necessity of a common language to unite us, unquote. He got 254 likes. As a youth might say, he certainly ratioed Mr. AI Base Trader, who only got a mere 73 likes in comparison. Not to brag, but I did get three likes yesterday on the Twitter sphere. At N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G. Let me see here. Someone by the name of Scott Smisky said, quote, does the Constitution require everyone to speak the same language? Unquote. Got 21 likes. Mr. Biz, who I do appreciate in terms of his profile picture, he actually suited up, as all men should, especially when it comes to business. A little casual. His name is Biz, B-I-Z, but I'll allow it. Mr. Biz said, quote, it might be controversial, but it is the language of the nation. If I was voting in Italy, for example, I would expect the ballot to be 100% in Italian. Am I wrong? He got 28 likes. Let's see here. Although, given Elon Musk is working on Neuralink, which will plug us all into the matrix or give us superpowers, we'll see how that happens, we'll be able to speak every language simultaneously. So it might denecessitate, get rid of a lot of these conversations. Some by name of Right Angle News Network, which I do appreciate in terms of marketing. Their logo has a picture of a right angle. And I do appreciate a good pun in geometry. So that's good. I appreciate that. Right Angle News Network says, quote, I wholeheartedly agree with Vivek's statement uh, that English should be the only language used on ballots in, in voting booths. As residents of America, it is important that we prioritize the English language in official contexts like voting to ensure fair and equal participation. For all citizens, follow if you agree. This person got 37 likes. So, pretty popular statement. And so I scroll down to see what other, what other responses might be the top ones. Mr. Jake Shields simply says, this should not be controversial, unquote. He got 173 likes. Pretty darn good. Let's see here. Somebody, let's see here. Some of my name of traditional thoughts says, quote, common sense. I also think when I call my bank, English should be the first language I hear, unquote. Person got 29 likes. Let's see. A lot of people are just saying for sure. I agree. They're getting between one and three likes. A lot of similar statements like that. Let's see here. Hmm. Some by the name of Luke Zaliski says, quote, why don't you let the states decide, unquote. He got 101 likes. Which would be a fascinating thing. I don't know how the courts would decide that. If it's, eh, if it's not the Constitution, it would be 
my damage real realm to the states to decide. Although if you have a national election, what would the federal ballot be? I'd be fascinated to see how that plays out. I'm not sure of any court cases in which that has been brought to attention yet. Let's see. Oscar Herrera says, quote, this isn't controversial. I agree, unquote, getting 10 likes. So though he had a couple negative comments to begin with, a lot of people are just saying 100%, although they didn't type it out, they used the emoji. Getting one or two likes apiece. Yeah, so interestingly enough, they had a couple of negative comments in the beginning, but overall, as they scroll more and more, although they're not getting as many likes, they're getting between one and three likes. It looks like, in terms of volume, more people than not support his statement. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Do you think this will be a hot topic for the 2024 election? I don't. It's one of the things where I don't think there's enough people that care, honestly, in terms of the specific topic to make it a hot topic that will sway an election or have people maybe go towards one elected official over the other or one prospective election. Uh, uh, prospective. Uh, oh, why can't I speak today? Prospective Republican nominee. Again, I'm no doctor of the Mayo Clinic, but if you click subscribe, it may fix my stutter. I think it's gotten better throughout the past you know, four to five episodes, so it might very well be the cure. Or hilariously enough, if people unsubscribe, it might just get worse and worse and worse, which would be highly entertaining, but not great for the outcome of the channel overall as the quality go down subsequently. But nevertheless, looks like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that becomes a big topic. Other interesting political news, yes, the Supreme Court declines to hear a case challenging the FDA's authority to ban e-cigs based on their flavor. Now, it looks like the specifically the Fourth Circuit of the U.S. Court of Appeals in December ruled that the FDA has the authority to deny applications for flavored e-cigarette products because of its mandate to protect public health by discouraging young people from smoking. Which is pretty pejorative to think. Are you saying that adults can't enjoy fruit-flavored tobacco products? Really? I'm pretty sure they've had they've had infused cigars for not decades, but for quite some time already. Now it looks like a lower court ruling rebuffed an appeal by Avail Vapor, which is a vape retailer, which argues that the FDA unfairly denied its product applications based on requirements the agently secretly changed without notifying companies. Which, again, it's one of those things where we're in the Constitution to say, oh yeah, we're going to say you cannot have vanilla flavored, or whatever, I don't, I don't vape, but like you can't have mint flavored vape cartridges. I, what? Ridiculous. Again, I would say ridiculous to say the least. But it's become, according to this article on uh, NBC News, it is now an $8.2 billion market in terms of the vaping industry. So. It makes sense there's going to be more eyeballs on the industry and more attention is going to be given to it because it's exploded so much. But it'll be interesting to see what's the actual outcome and why are they not doing... I always am a little skeptical or a little annoyed when you know they don't do their job and hear these cases. When I know you have a finite amount of time, but when they just they keep refusing the same cases i almost get a little annoyed they in the past historically the supreme court has done this multiple times when it comes to second amendment cases unfortunately now it looks like in 2016 the fda determined that the e-cigarettes were subject to regulation like tobacco products and called nicotine which again it, 
I'm not a fan of most regulation to begin with, but nevertheless, in terms of it being classified as tobacco product, I, eh, yeah, it has nicotine in it, so that would be a derivative of the tobacco plant. So, I mean, that, that makes sense. Now, I can't but wonder, a lot of these individual stores, yeah, the FDA is saying that Avail did not present long-term studies demonstrating that its sweet-flavored vapes were more effective in helping adult smokers quit than tobacco-flavored e-cigarettes, which... So what? Is, are there any stores that are putting that on their signs saying, we promise this will be a smoking alternative? Which, again, I know some adults who enjoy vaping because of the different benefits of it, primarily because you can do it in more areas. Where in the United States, you're basically treated as a pariah if you enjoy tobacco. No longer could even smoke indoors anywhere, hardly. You basically just shoot out. Which, again, if you, if you own a business, I don't like being told what to do. So I don't think you should be able to completely ostracize some people from society. So, again, if a business wants to have a smoking session, why not? But government likes to interfere and take away businesses' ability to operate. So, of course, they have to pass new laws. Now... It'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Will this court, will this case eventually be taken up? Because again, depending on how, depending on how this goes down, as the youth might say, how it goes down. Imagine if all the flavors were banned. Now, that would, I don't know if that would instantly kill the industry overnight, but when you talk to a lot of people who vape, and a lot of them are. Again, one of my friends. One of my friends is again. Most of them are you know thirties, forties, fifties. A lot of them have the fruit flavored like cartridges for the vaping. I was about to say utensils, the vaping toy, not toy, little knickknacks that they make, little sticks. To me, then it seems like a novel idea, but it's just one of those things where I see a lot of adults. Adults are enjoying the flavored cartridges. I mean, who are you to take that away from them? So it'll be interesting. Let me know in the comments. Do you think? Long term, will fla all these flavors be banned, or will they enjoy? Will people actually let adults make their own decisions and enjoy those products? It'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Other interesting political news: You have United Auto Workers to order eight thousand seven hundred members to walk off of Ford's Kentucky truck plant. Yet another good reason to relocate to Texas and you know hire nine unionized workers who are you know much more efficient and cost a fraction of the price and make a more liable price. But nevertheless, I'm sure the big three are know what they're doing. Now, in terms of the strategic reason to do a strike on the truck, that's really, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor since we're talking about the union, kneecapping them, so to say. That is the most profitable, important thing that a company in the automotive community manufactures. There's a reason Chevy doesn't make the Chevy Cruze anymore. Most of those small compact cars they're built to a price point. They're supposed to be entry-level vehicle, and they might make, I believe, actually when I was in the automotive industry, the dealerships would make negative $458 per unit when they sold the Chevy Cruze, which is a compact car. The only way they ever made any money was financing and options. And then, of course, they pray you come back and buy a truck. Those are highly profitable. They're the most profitable thing that these companies are selling, with the exception of EV trucks, which lose money. But over time, they will eventually break even and make a profit, similar to Tesla in general. Now, this is Ford's golden goose, so to say. Of all things Ford's made throughout the years, they're known for trucks and the Mustang, which, given uh, 
complemented Ford, they still make the V8 and a stick shift, which is a rare thing in and of itself. I would argue they won the Pony War since General Motors killed the Camaro again, and the new Charger from Dodge is going to be electric. So much for American Motors or American Muscle. Ugh. But nevertheless, that's this plant is vital to Ford's success. Now, especially right now, Ford, again, they're partially going EV just because the government's forcing them to. Well, Ford has three divisions. You have Ford Blue, which is the Ford that you and I like, or most people like. That's the one that actually makes money. It's the Ford Mustang. That's the Ford F-150. It's all the Ford trucks. Then you have Ford EV, which is the EV part. You got the Ford Mustang E-Mach, as well as the F-150 Lightning. And then you have Ford Commercial for the big ginormous trucks. The EV part is the one that's burning through cash and losing them money. The only way they are making any profit right now is because of Ford Blue, the original Ford internal combustion engine manufactured vehicles. And the truck's the most important one bar none. I mean, this most popular truck ever. Now, in terms of this plant, it, now it manufactures the Ford Super Duty trucks, their large SUVs, the Ford Expedition, Lincoln Navigator, which again, SUVs are another huge profitable thing. And it's just because Americans put a huge value on those vehicles compared to compact cars. And Americans are willing to pay six figures for an SUV. Personally, I'm too frugal to do something like that. And I'd rather have my little compact Honda with three pedals like every vehicle should have. It's also Honda, so it'll last a quarter of a century or a million miles, presumably. Now, it looks like the walkout at this Kentucky plant would significantly add to the 25,300 auto workers who are currently taking the day off, I mean, striking at the big three with Ford, Jumlores, and Stellantis. Now, do a little bit of math here today, which, because I know public schools are all-time low in terms of text scores. I mean, everything from history, math, science, perhaps because teachers are more focused on teaching ideologies than actual, you know, real-life important things. So we're going to do a fun little math here today and arguably provide more value than in public school, though it's not saying much. Now, the UAW is currently paying their members about $500 per week to strike. Keep in mind, they have a big fund to estimate between $820, $850 million. So they have a lot of time where they can strike. Now, you have $500 per week times 20, what's the current number? 25,300. And if the cock, if I could uh, not fat thumb the buttons on the little computer here. So every week, that's $12.65 million that they're paying out. Which, I was going to say, is good for the union members because they're actually finally getting something for paying all their dues. With, you know, so hilariously and ironically, the dues are usually used for electing politicians who, the politicians they elected are banning internal combustion engines, which is the most popular thing. And politicians are forcing them to make EVs, which will require less rudimentary labor in terms of having UAW members needed. And of course, those politicians also caused the 40-year hyperinflation. So I appreciate good irony, and that's uh, hilarious to say the least, many would say. Now, each week they're spending about $12.65 million to pay them to carry signs, which, good God, I wish it got paid that much for doing that little work. To think of how much I've worked throughout the years relative to that, astonishing. So right now that's 12.6 million. So you got, say, $840 million. Divided by 12,650. So this could go on for, if, again, this is if they keep the current rates of people who are currently protesting or striking, 
they can keep this going for 66 weeks. Now keep in mind, again, I know public schools all time low, there are 52 weeks in a year or calendar year. So they can not work for a whole year and get paid to do it, actually. Some might argue that's what they usually do out during the week, but nevertheless, it's one of those situations where that's why I don't think this strike is going to come to an end anytime soon. They have a lot of money to sustain this strike. And again, they're asking for revolutionary ask. And they're arguing it's because the big three are making lots of profits, hilariously enough, in terms of putting the big three bankrupt again. When I say big three bankrupt, General Motors and Chrysler went bankrupt in 2009, impartially because of the UAW, because they had such high benefits. They have more benefits than any other automotive company out there. I mean, their cost of labor before this strike was already the highest. You look at Tesla, their labor cost is lower, their product is cheaper, and for the short term, more reliable. Granted, it's an EV, so is it going to last you 20 years? Hell no. Not with the current tech we have now. Maybe tomorrow, technology moves very quick. There might be a new, some new widget that makes it possible to have it be a long-term reliable vehicle. But perhaps a good metaphor would be Honda or Toyota. Those do last a quarter of a million miles, or actually no, more than that, a quarter of a century and a million miles. Their cost of labor is much lower. And again, the big three are trying to become EV companies. I don't know if that's a business decision that's going to be fruitful for them. They're going up against Tesla when they're known for making great V8 engines. And for that, they're going to have to put all their profits into these new factories and the new initiatives. They're going to, have to hire a lot more computer engineers, computer scientists. They're going to need a lot of engineering resources to go down the path they want to. Now, it'll be interesting to see, because again, the first proposal from the AW was costing, was going to cost them between 80 and $100 billion over the course of a four-year contract, which would have bankrupt the companies. Their, the amount of profit they make per year was less than that amount the AW is asking. And again, the AW still, they went down, I believe, to 30%, which again, I don't know anyone who's gotten a 30% raise ever over the course of a four-year uh, four contract. Also, they want a cost of living adjustment in addition to the raise. Hilariously, the cost of living adjustment, which they partially cost because of who they got elected, but also they want pensions, they want extra medical benefits, they want to work 32 hours a week but get paid 40 hours a week, which in terms of, that is a good metaphor for what unions are, but none of those things are viable right now. And again, I don't know how much of their incentive is for the UAW to stop because again their president that they elected wants to strike they want the strike you look at all the polls where he asked they did you know they said hey should we go on a strike and they all overwhelmingly in the 99 percentile voted yes in many cases and with the big three gm Ford, Atlantis, what incentive do they have to stop the strike right now do you need are you going out to buy a vehicle right now it's one of those situations where there's a lot of economic uncertainty like we said previously if you're watching the whole episode you just had all these other layoffs, including the Washington Post, you got Google, you got Juniper Networks. Most companies are laying people off. At the same time, the UAW wants greater benefits than ever before. I don't see how that's sustainable. And again, the big three, there's not a huge demand for cars right now. Huge interest rates, also hilariously, some might say impartially caused by the UAW because they've over politicians who printed more money than ever before, and you had to raise interest rates, yada, yada, yada. So you have huge interest rates you have economic uncertainty. It's not a lot of demand for vehicles right now. And on what demand there is, why not buy a Toyota or a Honda? It'll last a lot longer. But let me know in the comments, what do you think will be the outcome? Because this will hurt Ford. 
the trucking plant is one of the most important plants, well, they just hire some pejoratively call them scabs. I refer to them as band-aids to help offset this issue. Well, they just hire more workers that aren't unionized to do the job. It'll be interesting to see. Let me know what your thoughts are. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Family Dollar issuing recalls on hundreds of products due to improper storage. Now, apparently, they're recalling everything from over-the-counter drugs to vitamins to toothpaste at the stores in 23 states because they've been they just weren't stored properly. Now, they claim that the recalled items were quote were stored outside of the labeled temperature requirements and were inadvertently shipped. And they said this on a Wednesday publicly noticed posted by the Food and Drug Administration. So one of the fascinating things were I never really thought toothpaste could be stored at an unoptimal temperature. Granted the best toothpaste in history is Pepsodent because me and USA, of course, and, you know, it's a classic brand. It's what all cool, the, uh, as they believe the, uh, the youth might call the OGs get. It doesn't come with a free pair of new balances, but it does help. So it'll be interesting to see. A lot of people rely on Family Dollar for a lot of their staples, and it is terrible to have any type of recall. It'll be fascinating to see if this drives people over to the competition. Granted, there's not a lot of competition. A lot of them are owned by each other in terms of the dollar market or the dollar phenomenon for those stores. So... Unfortunately, you have a recall on, again, some of these very important things, including stuff you're ingesting. That's got to be the blizzest blunder of the day. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in today. Cannot thank you enough. Trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you can click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Any suggestions to make the show better are always welcome to the comments section. I might take a day or two to get to them depending on my work schedule, but I always try to do my best to address all the comments. I appreciate the critique to make the show better. Also, lastly, don't forget to take the time to Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.